0: Hello, and welcome to Breast Cancer Conversations, a podcast brought to you by survivingbreastcancer.org. I'm Laura Carfing, breast cancer survivor and founder of survivingbreastcancer.org, a nonprofit organization providing community, education, and resources to empower those diagnosed with breast cancer and their caregivers from day one and beyond. Hello, everyone, and welcome to you, our new listeners, and all of you who tune in each week. Today's episode is taken from our Sunday Metastatic Breast Cancer webinar series, where we've been discussing grief, end-of-life choices, and offering valuable resources. We've been bringing on incredible guest speakers to help us navigate some of these topics. This NBC podcast series is made possible by our friends at Citizen, with whom we are teaming up with for a live stream event on Sunday, January 31st at 4 p.m. Eastern. We are going to be breaking down clinical trials. Think of it as Clinical Trials 101. You can get all of the information on our website, survivingbreastcancer.org forward slash events. And be sure to check out Citizen as they are offering a variety of services to our breast cancer community, including clinical trial matches. You can visit them at citizen.com forward slash SBC trials. That's spelled dot com forward slash SBC trials. For today's discussion, as we think about clinical trials, treatments, and chemotherapy, we speak with Abigail Johnston, who moderates our NBC series, and two guests, Valerie Armand and Jennifer O'Brien. Valerie is an LPN and certified end-of-life doula with over 20 years of experience serving others. She's the founder of Exiting Gracefully, LLC, and Dying Your Way Consultant. Her passion lies in removing the stigma that society has placed on facing our mortality, she provides consulting, education, and mentoring as a way to empower others, helping them navigate their own unique journey. Jennifer O'Brien is not new to loss. At a young age, she lost her only brother after he spent three weeks in a coma, and her mother to pancreatic cancer. She has cared for uncles, grandparents, and friends at the end of their lives. She is an accomplished author of The Hospice Doctor's Widow. Her writings present the raw and honest insights of a caregiver, and being present during even the most difficult times, honoring grief and going forward after a devastating loss. Several of us in the breast cancer community are on or have been on numerous chemotherapies. We use the term line of treatment. For example, we may be on one line of chemotherapy until it stops working, and then we move on to the second, third, fourth, or fifth. The hope is that we don't run out of options and that there's always going to be a new therapy for us to try. But when is enough enough? When do we give ourselves permission to say, I don't want to try another drug? How do we balance quality over quantity? These are just some of the questions we address. Welcome to the conversation.
1: And there are some things in your book that help people think through. I think one of the things that I loved the most was the checklist that he had on how to evaluate whether to do another chemo.
2: Can you talk about that a little bit? So I don't have a clinical background um, uh, at all. In fact, I, I never even had kids. My only pet is a plush toy. I don't really deal in bodily fluids, um, except you know, obviously to take care of Bob. But but uh, it's it's not my thing. Clinical stuff is not my thing, and and I and so I wouldn't know the first thing about evaluating a chemo. And so I observed Bob do it repeatedly. By the time he, he, he died, he, um, I, I think he had basically chosen without really openly choosing not to take the fifth one. We had it in our possession. It was an oral and, um, he just never took it. Um, and probably died about three or four months later. So, so there were several that kind of, you know, gave us wonderful time together. I basically would watch his process and, and took it and translated it, you know, into language that you and I understand about like first understanding what, what is the purpose of this treatment? Is it curative? Is it palliative? Is it life extending? You know, that's, that's really important from the start. And I, and I think a lot of folks that don't have a medical um, connection uh, don't always understand that. I think there can be some real ambiguity with, okay, so we what what is this going to accomplish if it's going, you know, if it does its job, are we looking at me feeling, you know, me having less pain or are we looking at, you know, um, me getting cured or are we looking at me possibly getting, some some more time. And then the other thing he always took into account, and this one honestly was probably more when he would work through this, help patients understand this process. And that was, was there a big event coming up, the birth of a grandbaby or a wedding or something that the person really, really wanted to risk some rough side effects to try to be present for um, if that was the case and then just what are those side effects and, um, and how do they, with, with, you know, just evaluating those. And, um, and then finally, I think, uh, I think I have on there disease fatigue. Um, and I think that's really where, where Bob got by the end is that, you know, there had been, um, just a lot of, uh, complications and side effects that had, had offered, you know, a really rough time. And, and, you know, it was, it was time and there, there wasn't, um, there, there was in the sense that he did, uh, stay alive. He, he, I'm coming up on the fourth anniversary of his death in January. And, um, and I remember very distinctly at this time of, of year that year thinking, oh my gosh, he's going to die on Christmas. He's going to ruin Christmas for me. And uh, I probably felt that way for a couple of days. And then I realized, oh no, he's not, he's not going to do that to me. And he didn't. And I, I said, you know, we're going to, we're going to get to mid-January. And sure enough, we did. So anyway, that's not what you asked about, but yes, that, that notion of, it is your decision you know, you don't, you don't just have to take the next chemotherapy. It wasn't my illness and it wasn't my death. So every time he faced this decision, I would simply say, I support you in whatever you dis- decision you make. You know, I, I support you. Doctors who
1: uh, prescribe curative treatments are not always comfortable with this idea that maybe it's time to stop. Yes. And and having those those and having those conversations with your doctors, but also knowing within yourself, this is my line. Again, figuring out that line ahead of time, figuring out you know when is it going to be time to stop, um, is so important. And so, Valerie, I want to turn to you. When people come to you and they're within this, you know, should I take this next chemo? Should I stop? Is it time for me to stop? How do you help facilitate that? Decision, or what do you help people think about in order to make that decision?
3: A lot of the times, they already know what it is they do or don't want to do or pursue, and so it's almost more of giving them permission that it's you know, uh, what are their reasons why you know, like you had mentioned earlier, um, there's a holiday or an event that they're trying to, to, you know, be there for, or not wanting to die on a holiday or in the holiday season and hanging on. And I would say the vast majority of the time, anybody who was, you know, struggling with those decisions, again, it's already made, but it's, it's verbalizing that decision. And again, majority of the time, it's for someone else, not for themselves. It's getting the family also to understand, you know, to t- take themselves out of the equation you know for your loved one and again true love you know are you are you wanting them to fight for you or for them and you know they're not you're not the person on the outside that's going through the treatments and the side effects and um I, abigail you had shared with me in the past you know that just the simple terminology that we use around cancer situations and any disease for that matter um you know giving up or losing a fight or you know, succumbing to the battle and the cancer's winning and just to hear your perspective on that, you know, it's really not very sensitive, you know, not sensitive terminology. Um, you even, I think went so far as to say the cancer murdered someone, which is probably a much more accurate statement if we're being real, you know, that's not because they're giving up. It's because, you know, the cancer's doing what it's going to do. And what do we want that path to look like? Um, how do we, you know, give, giving the choice and, and giving the ability to make the choice, you know, what do you, what do you want? What is your goal? That's usually a very big question. You know, is it quality of life? Is it quantity of life? Is it, you know, do you, you, know you may have extended time, but again, what is that going to look like realistically? And, um, you know, I often have to be very brave and courageous and also very sensitive to where people are at. There are people that don't want reality. And then there's people that look you in the eye and say, just be honest with me. You know, what, you know, what do you see? And um, so, yeah, it's very, like I said earlier, humbling to be in a position to help someone make their life or death choices. And a lot of times it's just listening, just listening and and them, them being able to say their own words out loud or, Uh, an opportunity for them to express themselves freely in front of their family members in a safe way and letting that land where it lands and let the dust settle a little bit. And for them to, you know, kind of put their brains around what, what the patient themselves really, really wants as hard as that may be, you know, harder, you know, I often say it, you know, in the very end stages, it's, it's harder you know, as the care becomes less because the person is maybe less responsive, less active. And it's it's almost harder for the family to not have anything to do, per se. I say it's easier to be doing something, you know, and it's our nature to nurture and to you know, you've got to eat. You've got to drink. You've got to get up. You've got to move. And there are no rules. So
0: There are no rules. That is so true. It's such a personal decision. And Valerie, I like how you talked about it being a decision that we probably already know and just maybe not have said it out loud, acknowledged it to ourselves, or said it to anyone, especially our loved ones. We are not giving up. And I think we need to change the language around that. Even as it relates to chemotherapy and even clinical trials, Abigail, I'll never forget the time in San Antonio in 2019 when you turned to me and said The patient is not failing the clinical trials. The clinical trials are failing the patient. We need to do more. And whatever our choices are, to participate in trials or not, to extend chemotherapy or not, to try a new treatment or not, it is okay. It is our choice, and we own that choice. Thank you. Thank you, Abigail, Valerie, and Jennifer, for being on today's show. And for all of you listening, if you're interested in learning more about clinical trials, well, I know that wasn't the focus of today's conversation. I do want to put a plug in for our clinical trial webinar that's going to be live streamed on Facebook with our friends at Citizen. So be sure to formally RSVP to get the reminders and links to the webinar. You can RSVP at survivingbreastcancer.org forward slash events. And then also for some reason, if you can't make the date and time, definitely still RSVP because we will send you the recording thereafter. Mm-hmm. Thank you for tuning in and listening to our podcast. If you would like to find out more about our organization and upcoming events and ways to connect, you can find out more by visiting our website at survivingbreastcancer.org. I would like to acknowledge that all of the information on our podcast is from personal experiences and it is not a substitute for professional medical advice. You should always consult your medical care team. If you're looking for specific topics or would like to be a guest on our show, feel free to contact me directly at laura at survivingbreastcancer.org. And of course, we have a couple social media handles you can follow us at as well. For example, Surviving Breast Cancer Org, all one word, as well as our podcast specifically, Breast Cancer Conversations. Until next time, keep on thriving.